Welcome to Fire Genius, a podcast dedicated to all things intellectual property, presented by the Indiana University Maurer School of Law's IP Theory Journal. Good afternoon. My name is Scott. I'm a 2L, and I'm primarily interested in patent law. My name is Alex. I'm also a 2L, and I'm also interested in patent law. My name is David. I'm a 2L, and I'm also interested in patent law. My name is Megan. I'm a 2L, and I'm interested in copyrights and trademarks. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about trademarks and their abandonment, specifically in the context of racially insensitive marks, which have become a hot issue over the last few years. Uh, and just to start it off, some baseline concepts. Trademarks are based on consumer use and competition amongst producers. And trademark, lice, trademark rights excuse me, can last for a very long time, uh, and they are use-based. And if you own a trademark and stop using it or stop using the products associated with it, your mark can become abandoned and you'll essentially lose the rights to that mark that you've had. And in the context of racially insensitive marks, we've seen a lot of companies, so what used to be Aunt Jemima's is now Pearl Milling Company. We have Uncle Ben's Rice or Uncle Ben's, which is now Ben's Original, and even some bands. We have Lady Antebellum, which has become Lady A, and the Dixie Chicks, which are now just the chicks. And it's a very interesting topic in the context of abandonment because since these companies have rebranded, they have, to our knowledge, stopped using their previous marks, which to a certain point leaves them open for other people to use. And a logical follow-up to this is, should we create a special exception in trademark law to protect these marks even after they have stopped being used to keep other people from you know, using those marks or benefiting off of the goodwill that the company that owned these marks built up before they had to rebrand. I'm just curious what some of your thoughts are on this issue. I think that it's reasonable to have a restriction on the abandoned marks, maybe not forever, but for a long enough time that it will no longer be associated with the original mark. And at that point, it can be repurposed and may not reflect or should not reflect the racial insensitivity that was involved with the original mark and part of the reason why it was abandoned in the first place. Yeah, I think as we've as we've discussed on previous episodes, the policy the policy ideas behind most of our trademark law is is to one protect the the producers, the goodwill that the producer has built up and to protect consumers from confusion about the products that they're buying. And I think that if you allow um, other producers to kind of slide in on the, the coattails of the goodwill that has been created by whatever a company was voluntarily giving up the use of a mark for sensitivity reasons, you're, you're at risk of doing both. You're penalizing a company for, for stepping away from an, from an insensitive trademark, as well as um, you're obviously going to con- confuse consumers if they go to the store and, and see a brand that they remember from months or years ago and they think like I mean brand like that does happen with all kinds of brands they stop using it and then they they bring it back and so um, I think it'd be very confusing if you went to a store and saw a saw a brand that had been given up and then popped back out of nowhere especially in the context of a concert if you bought tickets to a Dixie Chicks concert you would have an expectation that would obviously be met and that would met that would mess with both the consumer and the the now chicks yeah I wonder I've been thinking about this a lot since uh, we, we kind of started talking about it in class, and I think 
bringing up the residual goodwill is a good starting off point. I do think that would be hard to quantify of like, at what point do people forget about Aunt Jemima or the Dixie Chicks? I think that's kind of hard to quantify in a lot of uh, instances. And so I wonder if like a better approach would be for uh, trademarks that um, abandon for this reason and like and register that abandonment with the Patent and Trademark Office. I wonder if there's a way that uh, the exception could be limited to if they continue to police the mark. So if they like continue to say, that's not our syrup, that's not our our band, if that could be kind of a limiting factor and once they stop doing that, perhaps they consider that the trademark has lost value or um, isn't threatened by uh, trademark trolls of that nature. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think there could be a, a, pat- or a, a trademark office procedure kind of similar to the intent to use application where you file a like a voluntary abandonment that's that's like a, a something that you have to file and pay a fee for every year but it would just kind of show the intent of continuing to protect against infringement of the abandoned the like voluntarily abandoned mark because i know with intend to use applications you you can file that and then within six months you either have to like re-up or or like show use of the mark. So I think it could be similar where you file a voluntary, like a, a like a, some type of voluntary abandonment paperwork and then have to refile every year and maybe show that you are, so like somehow show that you are policing the mark and are still able to protect it just to protect the, the goodwill and protect against consumer confusion. I guess two comments based off of that. The first, I think it's an excellent idea. Uh, I know Megan was mentioning earlier that Oftentimes, when producers rebrand, they continue to sell some of the merchandise they had in stock or do some activity associated with that mark to retain the right to it so that somebody else doesn't come in and kind of steal the goodwill that they've built up. But that poses a a tricky situation in the case for these companies because you don't want to continue to sell racially insensitive merchandise or products. Uh, and so having an, ex- or an exception out there where you could voluntarily abandon but then kind of re-up every year or every period to kind of retain the right or just prevent others from using it or even using defense of the mark as a, a way to show that you're still using it. For my second comment, this could run into issues with products outside like the racially insensitive product sphere uh, where people could kind of take that and run and you know, extend their trademarks beyond what we would want them to, which kind of inhibits uh, encouraging competition between companies. So I think yeah. if adoption like that were created, it would have to be very narrowly limited to uh, keep people from running away with it. I agree. I, I think it would have to be, you know, registered and, uh, and the purpose for abandonment would have to be like explicit and argued perhaps. Um, but I, I, I do agree that like it doesn't make sense to across the board apply this kind of procedure. But I, I do think it would be a, a more efficient and, and like as you say, a more graceful way of approaching this particular situation as opposed to allowing uh, people to, um, I, I don't even want to call it goodwill, but to, you know, take advantage of this already kind of awkward situation. I know up to this point we've discussed a lot about 
trademarks that are in use kind of on the back end in the public sphere. Uh, and I'm curious if there are any filters for this on the front end. So people file an application for something that could be racially, insensi- racially insensitive or racist. And I'm curious uh, what kind of procedures the trademark office has to deal with this. There's at least one case that has decided to not give a trademark. And that example is for the, for the band name The Slants, which was attempted to be trademarked by the band members to reclaim that name for their, for their Asian heritage. It was statutorily blocked as a disparaging mark and was not granted. Yeah, without getting into too many specifics of that case in particular, um, having that sort of guardrail at the registration process, um, particularly for trademarks that were abandoned for racial insensitivity over the last several years, seems like um, you know a good starting off point. But I, I also want to ask the question to all of you, do you think there is a strong threat of trademark trolls taking on these abandoned um, or forfeited trademarks going forward? It seems like these companies chose to go in this direction and uh, by responding to community social changes and a desire for social changes. Do you think there's a threat of these trademark trolls then going sort of the opposite way and and, and taking advantage? I think definitely in certain types of products. Um, I don't think you have to worry about Fortune 500 companies swooping in and and uh, capitalizing off of the goodwill of existing racially insensitive marks. But if you think about just a generic rice mate, rice company that sells rice to other name brand companies, if it was legal, it would be very easy for them to just rebrand one of their existing lines of rice as Uncle Ben's Rice and put that on the shelves. And they could do so at like very little cost to themselves. And their company, the company itself is not a like a household name. Um, it's just a random like rice manu- like rice distribution company that no one knows the name of and that supplies several other major brands or like several other brands that you would be more familiar with. And so I don't think that they would be the type of company that it would be a very like the, the real threat behind continuing to use a racially insensitive mark is like the threat of boycott by consumers and things like that. I think that it would be difficult to boycott a distributor that distributes to multiple other brands that are not racially insensitive. It would be too much for consumers to actually follow. And I think there's the possibility that a company like a rice distributor could could step in and capitalize, even if it was just for a brief period of time, off of off of the, the goodwill of an existing insensitive brand. And I think that the threats that, um, that other companies would be leaving those marks because of would not necessarily to apply to a non-household name. And if we know anything, we know that large corporations don't necessarily do what they do out of genuine con- like care and compassion for others. It's mostly driven by the bottom line. I think, I think there's definitely a threat in some specific situations. Perhaps even on the international market too, where perhaps like where these um, abandonments of trademarks may not have been covered in the news quite as much as here too. That's a, that's a good point, yeah. Well, I'm in an ag- agreement with both of you, with what both of you have said. And as this is a relatively new topic, it'll be very interesting to see how it develops over time. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fire Genius. We'd like to give a special thank you to Professor Mark Janis and uh, his trademarks class for introducing this issue to us just this past week. 
You can always follow us on Twitter at C-I-P-R-Mauer-I-P-T-H or reach out to us on our website at iptheory.indiana.edu. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in again next week.